The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how's it going uh, coming into this new week? Oh, it's wonderful. Um, you know, when you look at, uh, you're, you're doing obviously some planning now for Mecca. It's going to be the uh, big show coming up on February 4th. Um, what is it like for you when you get, uh, obstacles kind of thrown in the way, whether it be, um, people's travel arrangements, uh, people having other commitments or people, uh, that you reach out to just having, uh, price themselves out per se, what is it like as a promoter trying to put together uh, a big show like this where you're going to have a lot of top-notch matches and names, um, and uh, obviously you're going to have some top-notch uh, headaches uh, trying to get everything together? Well, you know, we've pretty much got the the card set. We've already announced uh, the five matches uh Double main event, Cross versus Jacob Fatu. We got Hammerstone, Cage, and Davey Richards. Uh, we also added Kenny King versus Sam Adonis. Little international flavor there. Uh, yesterday, we uh, talked about a couple of the FSW originals. Remy Marcel, you know, he is going to be taking on uh, Willie Mack, which, you know, sleeper match right there. Yeah. Most people don't know. But many years ago, Willie Mack and Remy Marcel teamed up in a name I created that I thought was a brilliant name, the Aphrodisiacs. <laughs> and they wrestled a tag match in Mesquite together. So, you know, excited about that. Uh, I know there's another match that we we added. We got Chris that, Chris Bay versus Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. So Chris Bay and Matt Vandegriff. So that should be a hell of a match right there. Uh, we can announce today that the women's champion, Sandra Moon, will be bypassing the women's title, but she will be going one-on-one with Funny Bone. What? <laughs> really? So I think that's going to be. Yeah, I think that's going to be an intriguing matchup. I think the fans will be uh, very excited to see that one. Does she have a a, a death wish? <laughs> Holy shit! Well, she made it past Tito at LA Fights, so yeah, you know, true. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and she had a hell of a a uh, a doors, uh, ladders, and chairs match with uh, Maserati. So. She can definitely hold no, her own. Absolutely. Um, you know, this uh, this past Friday, you had uh, High Octane 
uh, the double main event essentially were uh, death proof and singles matches uh, uh, Jacob Austin Young against uh, Jay Vidal for the uh, No Limits Championship and of course for the Heavyweight Championship Hammerstone uh, versus Cody uh, Cutthroat Cody you know that was a great solid match um, and he he is showing so much over the last two years did you ever envision him at the point where he could be someone who is a contender for that heavyweight championship? Well, without a doubt, you know, the last five, six years, you know, he was no limits champion. He was a tag team champion. You know, he's come a long way since the, uh, the trash bag, uh, crash test Cody outfit that he wore, you know, he had gotten himself where he was very thin some years ago, but now he is, you know, elevated the game and, and has turned that into pure muscle. Yeah. You know, I'm probably going to say that he weighs similar to what he did when he first started, when he was just this chubby crash test Cody kid. Yeah. Now he is, he's a monster, you know, as, as cutthroat Cody and you know what, as much as people like Hammerstone, you know, Cody, another FSW original, you can count them on one hand, you know, Remy Marcel worked the very first show, Cutthroat Cody worked the very first show, Funny Bone was injured and got involved in the main event and helped Kenny King, who's the other FSW original, so there's probably, you know, offhand that I could think of, I can't really think of anybody else, we've had guys come in and out, you know, Gallo worked the very first show, but you know, when it comes to, you know, guys that have been there pretty much from the beginning to where they are now, it was four guys. And, you know, as witness, Kenny, Remy, uh, you know, Funny Bone, they all have matches at the Mecca. So they, they've proven for 12 years, you know, they were young then, but, you know, Funny Bone had been around a while. You know, Funny yeah. Bone's been around, you know, 20 years and, you know, he's another one, you know, he now he's a monster, yeah. you know, Cody's big, but Funny Bone's huge. And, you know, he, he hasn't missed a beat. You know what I mean? It's kind of when you look at guys like Cage and Scott Steiner, they got big, but they still kept their offense pretty similar. Yeah. You know, where Steiner, you know, he might have fluctuated a little bit more to the power game. But he still pulled out, you know, the cool stuff. And same thing with Brian Cage, still does a lot of the cool stuff. And Funny Bone hasn't given that part of his game up. So, you know, it's great to see the guys that kind of started. You know, all of those guys, you know, Kenny and Funny Bone, they were, they were pretty well known in the area in that 2009. Kenny was working Ring of Honor. But Remy and Cody, they, they were in the Battle Royal. You know, they were afterthoughts. You know, yeah. Cody was coming from AU. Uh, Remy was friends with Scotty Ice, who had worked for Legacy. And happened, he just happened to be in town. And it was like, oh, you need a guy for a Battle Royal. And, you know, and then Remy moved back. So Remy technically was never booked on the very first show. He just happened to be there. We needed a guy and, and we put him in, you know. He had come from the Ring of Honor training school, the Inoki Dojo. So he had a good pedigree. He was definitely a guy that was going to be better than most that were in the Battle Royal. So, 
you know, it's great to see that homegrown talent, you know, Vandegrift, Bay, Kenny, Remy, you know, all these guys that have been with us for a long time, Hammerstone, you know, in the main event, you know, and everybody we have on that show is the guy deserving of it. You know, that yeah. there's not spots for guys that are good, but haven't gotten there yet. It isn't, you know, it's unfortunate. People get mad at me. Oh, why aren't I on the Mecca? Oh, what about me? And it's like, this, this is, this is basically a separate show. This features, you know, this is warrior wrestling. This is GCW. This, you know, this is our showcase of great talent. Whereas I have always said a lot of that great talent was guys that started with us. And regardless of where Brian Cage trained, Brian Cage had been part of FSW in late 2009, 2010. So he'd been with us pretty much from the get go, you know, and, you know, you look at all the matches, you know, you, you got Hammerstone. You know, you got Cage. You know, we got Bay. We got Vandegrift in a match. You know, Damian Drake, you know, he's going to be in a four-way with Jay Vidal. And I might as well say it, TJ Perkins and Casey Navarro. Jesus. So, so that's the four-way. You know, wow. again, TJ's local. We won't take credit on him, but Jay Vidal and, and Damian Drake, we will for sure. You know, Funny Bone, Sandra Moon. You, you know, the list goes on and on. And then we sprinkle in, you know, our top 10 mixed in with, you know, the Jacob Fatus and Killer Cross, of course, who was our guy. Yeah. So, you know, from beginning to end, there is a huge FSW influence, you know, on the guys. And it's also good to see the relationships that guys like Cross and Cage and Bay and Hammerstone as much success they've had nationally in this business, they still are coming home to be a part of, you know, the biggest FSW show probably we're going to have this year. And it's interesting too, because amongst all those names, then you still got guys like Graves and it's, you know, it's like, how do you mix in even more talent? Does that become then why Joe DeFalco gets the, uh, the reputation of having like eight man tags and, and things like that is yeah, because and in the Mecca, it's like, we haven't announced a tag match. We're still figuring that out. So, you know, there's a great opportunity for death proof to be involved in that Toko Uso, you know, we got to see where we're going uh, in that situation. We've had a lot of issues going on with Toa being such a quick, very quick, hot commodity <laughs> in AEW. And, you know, we're trying to see scheduling and now there might be an issue about him, you know, defending the title. And now the decisions need to be made because after the fourth, we have a show the 18th and, you know, we can't just leave the tag titles dormant, you know, hero and Shogun death proof, you know, they're, they're knocking on that door, you know, worst comes to worst. Who's to say we don't, uh, you know, we've already talked to the Reno scum. We've talked to Tito and Che. We've talked to the old 1%, you know, 
uh, the sky highs of the world and R&B. I don't know if I just said them, but again, I'll say them again. And they haven't been around for a while, yep. but you know, there, 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 there could be some eight man tournament to put belts on somebody else. Maybe if Toa is unavailable, I'm pretty sure uh, Juicy knows some big boys <laughs> that might be more than willing to uh, to to help him out if need be. So, you know, we're not at that point yet, but, you know, he's missed a couple of shows in a row now because of it. So it's definitely a concern. They do a lot of tapings. So, you know, we have to pay attention to what's going on. A guy like Ice Williams, there's, there, there is no match for him at, at the Mecca this time around, you know, same thing with Graves. There, there just isn't, you know, spots, eight matches is going to be more than enough. Yeah. And it's like, I have a four way, I have a three way, but five of the eight matches are singles matches. So, you know, can't complain about that. You know what I mean? It's like, so the card's not overbooked. I'm not trying to get crazy and do the new Japan eight man tag to start everything off. You know, it's like, let's have these matches mean something, make them important. And, you know, hey, just like people wanted to be on Natural Born Killers, well, you know, Graves was on that. He was on, the, you know, the Mecca before. You know, there, it's, it's interchangeable. We have enough talented guys, but, you know, it needs to make sense. Yeah. You know, we were talking with uh, Tito and Che, the Wolves Zaddies, and, you know, Tito was available and Shea wasn't. So now, you know, Tito was looking for a spot. Like, hey, just so you know, I'm available. And we've already seen Tito and Graves, but the thing is I don't want to go to nine matches. Yeah. So now that kind of leaves Tito, who had a big year in FSW. He came back and, and he beat a guy like Graves, and he's he was involved in the main event picture. And unfortunately, you know, we got Adonis and Kenny King. Yeah. You know, that's a big deal. You know, Sam Adonis is – He's a great dude, man. Him and Psycho Clown tore it up at the FSW arena. You know, thanks to MK, able to bring Adonis out. He, you know, he worked, uh, you know, at the No Escape event. Yep. And, you know, he's very, very well liked in the locker room. You know, good dude, you know, intelligent, knows the business, been around the world. You know, he's better than a bum brother of his. So, you know, we got the good brother. So, <laughs> um. You know, when you look at uh, something like uh, Juicy and uh, Toa, you know, if he if he can't do it, do you possibly uh, turn to uh, the guy who's uh, helping train Toa and uh, put together Juicy and Rikishi? Uh, that would be interesting. I know the Tonga kid always hits me up to oh. get booked. So, you know, that's Samoan Dynasty. Or who's to say uh, Jacob Fatu doesn't work double uh, double Ooh. time to help the uh, help the familia out there, you know? So there's definitely definitely options to where we could go, and we are two and a half weeks away. Thankfully, you know, we we started planning very early, so you know we're in good shape. I saw Davy Richards broke his toe and he had to pull out of an event, but we talked a little bit yesterday. And he seems to be good to go. So hopefully there's no setbacks. And, you know, we can hopefully use him. And there's no, 
you know, that'll really turn about the, uh, you know, the match between him, Hammerstone and Cage, you know, the matter is we're not looking to repeat. We did Cage and Hammerstone as good as it was and didn't have a finish, you know, putting Davey in there really changes the dynamic. So I'm not really looking to repeat Cage and Hammerstone that if Davey couldn't make it, we probably wouldn't leave it that way. So now we'd have to figure out where we're going to go in that spot. Um, And uh, speaking of all these matches, the matches, of course, need a place to uh, have the matches at. And uh, you guys are going to uh, one of your first homes. Actually, it was our true home. You know, we did the Swap Me One show, but for the next three years, as FSW grew its brand to become, you know, a big deal, uh, that was home, the Silver Nugget, you know, where the Godfather, Jimmy Superfly Snuka, you know, an unknown Brian Cage and Sean Ricker, Disco Inferno, the Commandos, the Scum, you know, Remy Marcel, you know, Cody winning the Rookie of the Year and getting the uh, trophy bashed over his head. Rush getting a haircut at the Silver Nugget. You know, there was some huge memories. The date match with uh, Iron Lion and Frisco Flame, you know, one of the first, holy shit, you know, moments in FSW history. You know, so there's a lot of great, you know, memories there. And we've always wanted to have that homecoming. And, you know, I thought it definitely wasn't going to be in the cards. But, you know, we are, you know, extremely excited to be there. It holds more people, you know. Again, dynamic-wise, there's so many positive things. But there's also some negative things. You know, the the look of the room is different than, you know, the last couple places we were at. You know, the video screens are on the sides. Don't look like we can incorporate them. We had, you know, getting some banners for entry. They got a giant stage. But, you know, the lighting is more of a basic, you know, old school kind of feel. Yeah. So, you know, the room is great. You know, I remember Funny Bone jumping off the balcony. I remember Vintage Dragon jumping off the trussing. You know, I remember a false Count Anywhere match with the Commandos and the Von Dooms for the tag titles. And somebody, it was an, I think it was our uh, first or second anniversary show. And, you know, somebody brought like this giant sheet cake that, you know, both teams utilized in the match and nobody got to eat the cake. So, you know, plenty of fond memories down there. And uh, with guys like uh, Matt Vandergriff or uh, Damian Drake, uh, you would assume that uh, something crazy could happen utilizing the uh, space itself. Uh, Is that something that... You know, when you when you look at the guys and they come into a room like that, do you uh, do you anticipate uh, the uh, holy shit moment uh, where, you know, you're walking around doing what you need to do and then all of a sudden you turn your head and someone's just doing something absolutely insane? Uh, yes and no, because it's a different type of show. So... You know, it's a dream match for Matt Vandergriff wrestling, you know, Chris Bay. Yeah. You know, Hammerstone, Davey, 
you know, caged. I don't see those guys jumping off the top of trussings and stuff. Now, will Funny Bone try to recreate history? You know, Funny Bone's had numerous moments at the Silver Nugget in the uh, four-way ladder match to crown the first ever FSW Tag Team Champions. You know, Funny Bone was at the top of the ladder. And instead of grabbing the belt, he decided to jump off on top of guys like Gallo and Modest and all these other guys and came crashing to the concrete floor. You know, there's no padding there. Yeah. I remember Mike Modest got fucked up in another – we we called it uh, too violent for television. It was another, I believe, ladder match that we had, and it was uh, Modest and Alcatraz were one team. The Commandos were another team, probably the Von Dooms. And there was a spot where – Modest got fucked up. I forgot exactly what it was. Somebody was in a chair and he tried to do something and he missed and he landed like oh. right on concrete. Oh. So I got I pulled that up because my memory is kind of vague on exactly what happened. But I just remember, you know, he barely survived getting oh. through that match. Damn. Well, it it's going to be exciting to see what goes on on the uh, fourth. Uh, and again, Mecca will be available on Fight TV. Um, is it uh, 1999? We hope live. Oh. Well, now, 14.99. Now we got to find out the uh, the Ethernet capabilities. Now the Silver Nugget has Ethernet and it has you know the capabilities, but I'm not sure how it works downstairs in their basement of the room. So you know we may have to find like you know a 200 foot cord to make sure and you know we've already gotten more buys on a show that's not for two and a half weeks than we did at the limitless show so you know people are very interested and that's without a full car just knowing what's going on and in most cases people are going to buy it the last couple days right. and the day up so you know we're hoping we can beat our total of the gcw show which was the most ever one event and the anniversary weekend, you know, was probably better than the GCW, but it was split up on the days. Right. So, you know, we, we think there's definitely a great possibility, especially with the national names that are on there, you know, with the, with the Fatus and the Crosses and the Cages and the Hammerstones and, you know, people that maybe haven't seen an FSW show, they go on Fight TV and look at the card and be like, Holy shit, this fucking card is smoking. Yeah. You know? So, and again, we ain't done yet. So, you know, there's still a couple of, you know, announcements we have left. Uh, we're trying to pack the fan fest. You know, we're talking to in the WWE legend on uh, making an appearance there. And, you know, we have uh, Cage's wife, Melissa Santos. She's going to be the ring announcer and also part of the uh, fan fest. And, you know, who knows? Get there early. You might not want to miss it. Might end up being a cat fight between Scarlett and Melissa. You never know. <laughs> uh, when you uh, when you looked at the space um, with something in, in mind for the fan fest, uh, was that something that was necessity for you or 
will the fan <coughs> does the fan fest have uh, like a, a shoot off room or will it be in the arena? How do you have that planned? Oh no, the the room is more than big enough. You know, we can comfortably when I say comfortably, like comfortably fit over eight hundred people in there. Okay, and and that's by keeping when you you know you have to go down the stairs. And then to the right and left is where in the past we would put our tables. There's a bar, a second bar now. So that takes up a little bit of the space, but there's more than enough room to put numerous tables there to uh, set everything up. You know, we're going to start at five. We're going to do the, uh, the personal meet and greets with uh, killer cross and Scarlet. Then at five 30, we start the fan fest and that pretty much will go to about seven o'clock. And, you know, people who buy specifically for the fan fest, 25 bucks, that will get in and, you know, they'll get to see the wrestlers. Obviously, it's up to them to make purchases and all that other good stuff. And then at about 645, then we'll let regular doors open. That way, the wrestlers have access, you know, to all of the fans, right. you know, because what we've seen in Mecca, talking to Brian Cages and stuff. A lot of these people, a lot of the fans go out there and they really support, you know, the show and and buy a lot of merchandise, which helps the guys out and makes them want to come to Vegas. So, you know, we are appreciative of that. So, you know, we, we have a good amount already for the personal meet and greets across. So the Fan Fest, you know, should be equally as good or better because it's less money and then all the other wrestlers are going to be around there, you know, peddling their merchandise. <laughs> and, you know, you talk about fans, um, this past Friday at the high octane show, uh, we had some, uh, year end awards. Let me, uh, quickly, uh, go over this. The wrestler of the year was Matt Vandegrift. The women's wrestler of the year was Sandra moon. The tag team of the year was death proof, uh, breakthrough star, Jay Vidal. Rookie of the Year, Nick Xander. Favorite wrestler, Jay Vidal. And the most hated, Brett the Threat. Joe, when you look at that list, is there anyone for you that you would uh, personally have uh, changed in terms of, you know, would you pick a different wrestler of the year or a different women's uh, wrestler of the year, etc.? Um, and again, this is just your opinion, uh, being that uh, you are a fan as well of, of your own product. Well, what it came down to is, I'll, I'll be honest with you, you, you've never announced a match of the year. And we haven't announced a match of the year. And we're not going to announce a match of the year. There were so many great matches. To put one out there as being better than the other, it, it, it was just an impossibility. Yeah. You know, there was so many unbelievable matches. You know, are you going to tell me the Sandra Moon Maserati TLC match? wasn't one of the best matches they've seen this year. No. You're going to say Jay Vidal and, and Matt Vandergriff or Eli Everfly or, you know, Death Proof and Unguided. You know, th th there was so much, you know, that went on. You know, it it's tough enough to say what was the match of each month. You know, the, you know there, was, there was so many. Like, in the past, there was some that, they, you know, it, it just blew things away that there was – not really many options. Right. Like in the women's division, we really only had three 
And in reality, it was only two. You know, Viva Van was not enough or wasn't around enough. When she was, she was quite successful, but lost to Sandra Moon. So in reality, Maserati kind of carried the first half and Sandra Moon carried the second half. But the difference in them two was Sandra Moon was still doing really well in the first half. And Maserati, after SummerSlam uh, weekend, when we did that match, she, you know, hadn't really been seen at all. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, she might have worked, you know, the one other match, I believe the Battle of the Sexes was the other match that she had been a part of. Yeah. So, you know, Sandra got the edge in that spot. Uh, Same thing with Rookie of the Year, you know. All along, we thought it was going to be Brett the Thread and Nick Xander, but Bodie caught fire, got on more shows, and that was the important thing. You know, Bodie did well, but he was very limited in his action. Right. So to put him over two guys that were pretty much on all the shows, couldn't really do that. You know, Bodie did make a good late run, and, you know, even with that, he did influence the winner of the Rookie of the Year, you know, and, you know, I thought that was too close. All the fans are going to vote for Nick Xander because they hate Brett the Threat. He's voted most hated wrestler. So we're not going to hold that against him. Right. When you're talking rookie of the year, it's like who had, you know, the most influence. And, you know, you could say a lot of good things about Brett the Threat. And I think if Chase Bell didn't get hurt, it probably was Brett's for the taking. But then Nick got to showcase himself for oh, at least three months doing some singles work and and you know what we felt you know brett might have had the edge here nick had the fan vote came on strong let's just have a match and it makes it easier you know and the crowd was behind nick a thousand percent you know they loved it when bodie got involved and screwed brett the threat and you know it was the trifecta you know the fans loved it brett got screwed out of the win. Nick Xander won and Bodie got involved to help. So, you know, and again, it was a great idea. I don't know who thought of it. Oh yeah. It was me to open the show with that, you know, and it really got the crowd, you know, pumped up, you know, for the entire show. And, you know, we ended it off on the high note uh, with the no limits and the uh, heavyweight championship match. And, so uh, we saw Greg Sharp and who he's eyeing next. Yeah. Um, with, uh, you know, that storytelling uh, between Xander, Brett, and Bodie, um, is it sometimes just that simple in terms of the way that it's very um, almost old school, you know, storytelling? Um you had Brett, uh, you know, kind of beat down Bodie a little bit in front of his mom the uh, the show before. Um, so it, it only makes sense that Bodie would be out for a little revenge. Uh, and also, because of their personalities, you had natural crowd reaction to the face and the heel in the traditional sense. Um, does that make things not only easier for you, but make it more exciting because of the fact that the fans are just naturally receptive um, to something as, as 
simple story-wise as, as those three being involved together. Well, you know, in wrestling, a lot has changed over the years, but the, the, the most passionate fans are about is who they really like and who they really hate. So as good as a match was, the last two matches were basically fan favorites against each other. Right. You know, Cody got a little more love than Hammerstone. He's that FSW original, been there forever. But Hammerstone's the adopted son. You love him almost as much. And you got, you know, Jay Vidal and J.A.Y. years ago, the, the chance J.A.Y., J.A.Y. And then the crafty fans that we had turned the Jay Vidal chance into J.A.I., J.A.I. And because of that, it made me want to do the match. Right. And after the showing Jay, Jacob Austin Young had in the singles match against Davey Richards and we're looking for an opponent – why not give him the shot against Jay Vidal? Right. And it was definitely a contrast in styles. And I'll be, I'll, I'll be a thousand percent honest with you. You know, I think Jacob Austin Young controlled that match. You know what I mean? It yeah. was the, the style, the, the mat wrestling. I think it kind of maybe caught Jay Vidal off guard a little bit. And or the high of winning the title, but he he was ripe for the taking with, with Jacob Austin Young, and we could have easily seen Jay Vidal drop the No Limits title. You know, that was not his best match by far. You know, I've seen him have some great matches, but he seemed to be stymied by, by Jacob Austin Young throughout the match. He never really got that explosive you know, offensive production that we usually see out of Jay Vidal. Yeah. Um, and when you think of the uh, contrast to style like that, does that also then for a guy like Jay, uh, if you're looking at, you know, getting your stuff out there, you know, putting putting matches out there, trying to catch other promoters' eyes, trying to catch other companies' eyes, um, does that show showing that you're able to work that style as well? Does that just open up and, and broaden his horizon and his potential to end up with, uh, you know, more bookings or in a, a big company sooner than later? You know, if I'm Jay Vidal, I got three matches. I'm going to send out to, you know, the promoters of impact and AEW and stuff. Uh, first one, of course, is Jay Vidal and Matt Vandegrift. You know, he showed he can go toe-to-toe with one of the best flyers around. Yeah. But then you could talk about, you know, his match with Gregory Sharp, you know, the last man standing. Like, you know, he had to stand up and fight, and, you know, he did his job there. And then with Jacob Boston Young, so you're showing the three different styles. I'll even throw the Keita Murray match in there, Yeah. you know became a lot more physical than what you would think, you know, compared to Jay Vidal and Eli Everfly or Jay Vidal and Matt Vandegrift, yeah. you know, and, and the multi-mans that Jay had, but the match between, you know, Everfly and, and uh, Vandegrift were, were two of the best of that style. Yeah. 
So you're now going to show any would be, you know, promoters, you know, what you can offer. And that is a lot, you know, that that's what's being, that's really what's called the total package. You know, sometimes guys are only apt to do this. Well, you know, in a lot of cases, it's good enough. You know, you're going to get booked because a lot of the places that are running shows are basically going to bring you in. You're going to wrestle random guy. There's no storyline. There's no buildup. And it's just a match. Now, a great match is a great match. You know, I'd rather have a great match with no storyline than a shitty match with a good storyline. Right. But I'd rather, you know, but in reality, a mediocre match with a phenomenal storyline outclasses almost all of it. Yeah. You know, and there are times we've seen guys who've gone out and, yeah, they had good solid matches, not match of the year candidates, but good solid matches where people remember it because they're remembering the feud that it involved. They're involved in that story. You know, people got involved very quickly in Damian Drake and Matt Vandergriff. They got involved in Chris Bay and Ice Williams. You know, if we did a feud of the year, you know, it, it, it would be easy to, to narrow those things down. Uh, the No Limits division's got so many talented guys that come through the cycles of Adrian Quest, Brandon Gatson, Eli Everfly, Ice Williams, Chris Bay, Damian Drake, Matt Vandegriff, Jacob Austin Young, you know, and that's not counting the Davey Richards and the Lucas Rileys and guys we also used in different spots, that you have all these guys, Jordan Oasis, you know, that's why there's three ways, there's four ways, there's five ways, and even occasionally the suicidal six way, you know, and it's because there's so many of those talented guys that you want to get on the show and they all offer something. When we do those five and six ways, like at Mecca, we almost included Funny Bone in that, but we thought her and him, you know, Sandra Moon and him would be a much better option. Yeah. But you got JP, one of the best, you know, no limits, cruiserweight, technical wrestlers you're ever going to see. Yeah. You know? Then you got Casey Navarro. He's that new breed, a high flyer. You know, Damian Drake went from being a high flyer to being more of a hybrid guy to incorporate more wrestling to go along with that style. You know, and then you got Jay Vidal, who we've seen adapt to every style. So you're going to witness that match. And if I had a Gatson or I had an Eli Everfly who's injured that was scheduled to be on the show or an Adrian Quest you know, you'd get in even more of a dynamic and, you know, the four way alone should be, you know, awesome. Unfortunately, it's going to be hard for TJ Perkins to put a tarantula on Jay Vidal and get a tap out because there's two other guys in the match. Right. So it's going to be intriguing to see the strategy and, you know, how people put together, you know, the idea of having a four way match, which I'm always a big fan of because, you know, in that situation, you know, in most cases, if I'm working a singles match, you hit that big move, it's all over. Here, you hit that big move as somebody in the ring to ease, you know, to break it up. Right. Um, and in a situation of a match like that, um, having a guy like TJP, does 
he become kind of the uh since you know he's taught some classes he's kind of the he is definitely the veteran does he become kind of not only the ring general out there but in terms of the starting point for coming together with all the ideas that you know Damien might have or Jay might have or Casey might have does it all kind of filter through him because you have that veteran presence there in you know putting together something that will be special well, I hope it does, because TJ is by far the most experienced. You know, he's one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. So why wouldn't you want it to go through there? You know, Jay Vidal, this is his first Mecca. You know, this is, you know, he's been the champ for less than a month. So he's going to go in there and he's going to have his big ideas. But regardless of those ideas, sometimes those younger guys are more about having a really cool match than making everything make sense. While TJ has been around so long, his first thought is making sure that it makes sense. And then surrounding that with the cool shit and making things look cool, but he's going to want it to make sense from the get go. And, you know, even if he wasn't planning on it, when I talked to him, I would say, Hey, make sure, you know, Shit goes through you. Don't be letting all these motherfuckers do whatever the fuck they want. Because we've had those issues before. Everybody wants to get their shit in. And, you know, when Brian Cage is in a match, we want him to get his shit in. But when, you know, we're working a six-minute pre-show and it's Nick and Chase and the Suavecitos and Sky High, there's only so many things you can do. Right. And they tried to do too much. And it was like, dude, it's six minutes. It's a pre-show. The fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. I know you can do 30 things, Suavecitos, but maybe you only can do 16 of them today. You, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like making them understand it because they go in there and it's like, well, we're in the pre-show. We want to be on the main show. So how do we do that? Well, we got to impress Joe. So we got to go out there and do all the cool shit. And it's like, you know how you impress me? By doing shit that I need you to do right. and doing it in a time frame. You know, when you do six minutes and you got three tag teams trying to get everything in, it just becomes like a jumbled fucking mess. Yeah. So even though your heart's in a good place and, you, and you're trying to give the best match possible, it backfires because you're now just overthinking it and, oh, we need to do this and then we do this. And it was like, was Bodie even in the match? He was the special guest, you know, partner that right. only got involved in the match. He literally was not legally in the match. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You know, you're so busy trying to get your shit going in that you left out, you know, a major cog in, in the spot. Right. You know, and, you know, unfortunately, those are three very young tag teams. You know, Sky High is the most experienced of all of them. And they're not that experienced. You know, they're making the rounds. But, you know, they don't have a thousand matches under their belt. Right. Like T, who's probably got five times that. You know, doing it 15, 20 years. Shit. You know. (laughs) Um, You know, as we kind of uh, get towards a wrap up here, uh, 
when we're looking forward at 2022 and uh, what will go down this year, and speaking of the awards, who do you think will kind of uh, do a couple things? First, who do you think will be a breakthrough star this year? Well, you know, that's going to be up to them. You know, generally the breakout guys are the younger guys. You know, Jay had wrestled for a while, but in the past, a lot of times it was the Shogun who bounced off after a big rookie season, a hero, you know, things like that. You know, I can easily see a Nick Xander. I could see a Brett the Threat. You know, I could see the Suavecitos. You know, I could see, you know, guys that are also who've been around, but they were haven't been around that much. And then like this year with Adrian quest, you know, he kind of got put into a good position and he worked really well. You know, if Gatson had more matches here, you know, he'd be a guy, you know, a guy that we're looking at utilizing a little bit more Steven Trissario, you know, he's, he's been around a good while, you know, he lives in Vegas now. So, you know, heel wise, you know, we are heel light, as I like to say, right. You know, in the tag division, the Suavecitos and the faction as a unit, they get a lot of heat. Uh, Gregory Sharp, who was a face, you know, almost at least a third of the way through the year, you know, maybe even a quarter, you know, he's become a guy that generates a lot of heat, you know, Toko Uso as a tag team, you know, they're big boys who look good, man. The, the fans want to like Juicy. You know, if MK's not there, they're probably going to get cheered. If MK's there, they're going to get booed because they don't like MK. Right. So it really has nothing to do. Like, Toa's pounce, and he's just a big, bad dude that, you know, we saw potential. We saw that this guy could be going somewhere. Now, we never thought it would be this quick to where, you know, because initially – Juicy was the guy getting a lot of dates right. and we couldn't put them together as often. Right. And then now it kind of got juicy more into the mix. Now all of a sudden that can make juicy because who were the biggest breakout stars last year? Well, a guy who was in a tag team, Jay Vidal, his tag partner up and left. He had to make do Matt Vandergriff. You know, he right. was hard to say breakthrough because they broke through with the unguided but he took it to another level when Damian Drake got hurt. So, you know, you never know, you know, who is going to, you know, step up a guy like class, you know, the breakthrough star can break, can be nominated more than once. You know what I mean? It's like, obviously if you're the breakthrough star of the year, it's hard for Jay Vidal next year to repeat. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's not possible. You've broken through already. Right. You know, so, you know, you're looking for that fresh face, you know, the dark horse, you know, like a Judah Matthew out of nowhere, you know, like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, except he brings his apostles in and he becomes a breakthrough star, you know, and, you know, and there's plenty of young guys that, that are looking to, you know, to get noticed Yep. And Chase Bell, you know, he's very talented. 
you know, he's been injured. So if he puts together a really strong year, then, you know, he's that fresh guy. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Is Eli Everfly a guy you would consider a breakthrough star? To me, he's a star. He's a star. But yeah. in Vegas, maybe not yet. You know what I mean? And again, did he have enough matches? Yeah, he was probably right on the cusp because he had so many matches that when he almost every match he had was was one of the best matches. Yeah. Um, and along those same lines, when you think about it, uh, and and you know you just kind of looked over the breakthrough. Who would you say is possibly a front runner for wrestler of the year? Well. You know, uh, Hammerstone is always a guy that is always going to be in that position. Uh, you know, Cody's been a wrestler of the year. A little harder when you're in the tag team. You put tag team of the year, you're, you're not doing as much work. You know, we have a lot of ex-wrestlers of the year that are still on our roster. You know, Remy Marcel was a wrestler of the year. Graves was a wrestler of the year. Chris Bay's a wrestler of the year. Hammerstone's a wrestler of the year. Yeah. Van Griff's a wrestler of the year. You know, and it, it's just amazing that all these years later, these guys are still, you know, mainstays uh, into that situation. Now, Damian Drake's a guy who's probably been nominated on numerous occasions. Does he break through? Ice Williams. Yeah. You know, he, here's a guy that, you know, he could talk his way out of anything, you know, <laughs> and the confidence of the faction with him is really not that he needed any help, you know, being, uh, you know, arrogant and, and, and thinking of himself as, as he said, with the no limits championship, you know, he always claimed that his championship because of him was the most important championship in FSW. Well, he was the longest running no limits champion. From what, you know, speaking with him and stuff, he's looking on to bigger and better and greener pastures. So, you know, does that mean Ice Williams has his eyes side on Remy Marcel or Hammerstone? Right. You know, and, you know, he's definitely a guy that you have to look out for. He is you know, maybe the best opportunist, you know, in, in FSW, yeah. you know, he escaped funny bone thanks to the faction where, you know, he's also helped Fresco and Watson and Braxton, you know, get to that level. They were kind of like, yeah, yeah. You know, the faction, bunch of goofs, they're a bunch of idiots. We all hate them and they lose a lot. And now with, with ice around, you know, hate to compare them and say, oh, that like the nation of domination. But it's kind of like, you know, you got the tag team, yeah. you got the, the main singles guy, and, you know, Braxton kind of works the six mans and stuff like that, fills in. But his strong point is, you know, annoying the fuck out of people. You know, that dude annoys the fuck out of me, and that, that, that ain't no lie. You know, he's one of the most annoying motherfuckers I know. That's on the roster. So, you know, it, it, it shows you how annoying it is when I actually look forward to a conversation with Ice Williams. Yeah. You know? 
Oh man. Um, yeah, there's you know the, there's just so much possibility for this year, and it's going to be interesting to see what uh, you know what pans out and how these guys uh, do this year uh, as we wrap up. And here. who's coming in? You never know yeah. who's coming in. You know? I got Brandon Gatz in the 18th. I got Tresario the 18th. Eli Everfly should be ready to go back in March. And as I said, you know, a lot of great talents looking to come in. You know, you got Danny Limelight and Slice Boogie. You know, the MLW tag champs, you know, a good chance, you know, as I said, talking to the 1%. I don't know if we can call them that anymore now that the West Coast Wrecking Crew. And, you know, Tito and Che are possibilities. So it's like, you know, R&B, they're always around. So, you know, we're not like, you know, the Patriots where they were – rebuilding we're tr- we're just trying to retool <laughs> you know what i mean it's like we always we always expect to be a playoff team you know we're not gonna we're not gonna lay down to try to get that number one draft pick <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like we're always shooting for the super bowl which is ironic because if you're just listening to this uh joe is wearing a hoodie so the bill belichick of wrestling is uh in our presence today <laughs> <laughs> yes. Joe, uh, any final words for uh, everyone before we uh, say goodbye? You know, it's just getting to this point, uh, Mecca 7, you know, it literally will be almost two years Yeah, since the last Mecca. You know, March 2020, the last day, you know, it would have been it would have been two and a half years, you know, Ring of Honor. I get a call. They cancel. They're not coming in for their uh, anniversary weekend. And I get a call from Samstown. Or I might have called them like, hey, what's going on? I saw Ring of, Hon- Ring of Honor cancel. He goes, yeah, that was their call. You know, what do you want to do? I'm like, what do you think I want to fucking do? I want to run the show. I'm like, when the 500 shows on the strip cancel then i guess that would be my option but when 90 percent of the shows are still running billy idol's running you know it's like sting's playing you know did some places close down absolutely but at that point in time with everybody else going in and running the shows and the casinos open why would we close down as i try to explain to people who were like oh why would you run ring of honor didn't run well, Ring of Honor probably had to bring in 80 people from 70 different airports. Yeah. So it was probably a better risk. You know, the majority, we had one fly-in, I'm pretty sure, because Matt Hardy canceled. So he was the other fly-in. Right. And, and so we had one guy flying in. So the risk was way lower. You know, everybody else was driving from California, from Arizona, and, you know, a guy like Tom Lawler lived out here and Willie Mack lived out here and Pillman canceled because he got sick in Mexico. Right. So, uh, Sefa, you know, stepped up in that spot and, you know, and Hammerstone, uh, you know, wrestled on that show. And actually he's one of the few, I can't remember Chris Bay, you know, yep. wrestled and, we had already had uh, Tessa 
and Daga in town. So right. yeah, we fly him in. I guess you could say we did because we Tessa worked Bay, but that was through the toy con that was running also right. that we did a wrestling show on. So, you know, needless to say, you know, we were good to go. And now it's two years later and Willie Mack's on the show and Hammerstone's on the show and Chris Bay's on the show and Remy Marcel's on the show and Funny Bone's on the show. So we have a lot of our mainstays. And now we brought back Cage, who's pretty much been at most of the meccas. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we're happy with guys like Toko Uso and Sam Adonis and Kenny King now that he's kind of free of the Ring of Honor obligations, whether he still works for them, great. But now he's allowed to go on there and it'd be like, oh, you know, you can't promote me. And it's like, well, I'm not going to put you in a match with Sam Adonis and air it on a pre-show that you can't put on Fight TV. I got to pay you guys to be a part of the show, yeah. but I can't generate any anything from it. And it's only going to be for the fans. And we know a lot of the fans don't show up 20 minutes before the show. A lot of them will be in a casino. They'll be drinking. They'll be eating. And they show right at, you know, bell time. So, you know, now we're in that better position to, to where we can do that. And, you know, having the advantages of a TJP living out here and Willie Mack living out here and Chris Bay still living out here, you know, and, and now we got cross and Jacob Fatu coming down with, you know, the Samoan, uh, the Samoan boys. And, you know, like I said, you know, this card is stacked. Cross is coming home. We're coming home. You know, Remy and Cody and Funny Bone, they're coming home. Kenny King, you know, first main event ever in FSW history was uh, at the Silver Nugget was him and Disco Inferno. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's good times. Yeah, it's an exciting uh, time. Uh, you know, the Mecca is by far the most uh, notoriety of the shows that are done. And um, it should be uh, a phenomenal, just all around experience. So if you are in Vegas on February 4th, uh, definitely get down there, catch the show. Uh, if you you know, if you're smart, get your tickets early. Um, this way you don't have to worry about it. And, uh, cause obviously being a, a newer venue again, not, you know, j- just relationship wise, uh, you know, it's, it's been in the past, but you, you know, getting through the ticket lines and et cetera, it's all going to be a new experience for fans who haven't been there for years. So, uh, it's definitely a good, uh, thing to, uh, to plan early and uh, get your tickets for the fan fest. Uh, you know, say hi to some of the guys before they uh, go out and wrestle and, um, you know, continue to support FSW, uh, the network six ninety nine a month. Can't beat it. And uh, you can see some of the stuff uh, that Joe was talking about today on the network. So uh, final words, Joe, uh, before we say goodbye. No, get your tickets, man. Front row is almost sold out already. Uh, usually we, we put the limit at around 80 front row. And then we see, because we still need to, you know, s- measure things out, see where we're going to put stuff. You know, I'm hoping to do it, you know, later today or tomorrow, you know. But we're hoping 
that we can get to 90 front row. But right now we're probably, I know we're less than 10. I have to, I haven't done the full count, but we have less than 10 front row if we're at 80. And those are including like, you know, our regulars that haven't purchased yet, but they like, Hey, reserve them that we know they're good for it. Yeah. So we will always lock in the people that have been supportive of us for the last five, seven, 10 years, you know, so they get first dibs. That's how it works, you know, but there's still some seats available. FSWVegas.com. You can go slash events and slash Mecca, but you can just do FSWVegas.com and then you'll be able to click the link and you'll be able to get your tickets. Like you said, there's a, you know, the doomsday package. It includes a personal meet and greet with, 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 with cross and Scarlet where you get a picture together with them and then you'll also get an autographed eight by 10 of both of them included in the package. And, you know, we're limiting that. So we probably only have about 12 to 15 of those left also. So, you know, get your tickets, take advantage of it. You know, we will without a doubt have a great, a great crowd for this event. And I think we might see a nice little bump. You know, we ordered the flyers. We're getting the posters. Nellis Air Force Base is down the road. You know, a lot, a lot of good flyering. The Broadacre SWAT meets there. You know, hey, you know what? Willie Mack, Sam Adonis, Brian Cage, all those guys, Carol Cross, all featured on AAA program. Yeah. You know, over the last couple of years. So, you know. They should. They look at a flyer. They're going to recognize some people on there. So you know that 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 can help the uh, the, the lucha crowd. You know, hopefully, come on down and uh, boo the Rudos. <laughs> well, on that note, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we hope you have a good week, and we'll see you guys next time.